Hello and welcome to The Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help for correspondents around the world. I'm Wang Zihang. Coming up in this edition, China and Germany have agreed to work closely on tackling climate change. The search is continuing for missing sub with five people on board in the depth of the Atlantic Ocean. And the United Nations has called on countries near Sudan to keep their borders open for those fleeing the conflict. We begin in Europe. China and Germany have agreed that it is in the interests of both sides to deepen cooperation. Chinese Premier Li Qiang and German Chancellor Olaf Scholz co-chaired the intergovernmental consultation in Berlin, and the two countries agreed to promote dialogue and cooperation on climate change. Peter Oliver reports from the German capital. It was all about business as Chinese and German officials met in Berlin on Tuesday. After a welcome that included full military honors, Chinese Premier Li Chang and German Chancellor Olaf Scholz met with reporters, where the focus was on the importance of face-to-face meetings and the role of Berlin and Beijing going forward globally. As two influential countries in the world, China and Germany should work more closely together to make more contributions to world peace and development. China attaches great importance to the development of China-Germany relations and China-EU relations. We are willing to work together with Germany to promote the continuous development of China-Germany and China-EU relations to achieve a higher level of development on a new starting point. Li also had a message for German CEOs, to whom he said the biggest risk is a lack of cooperation. Scholz has faced questions over a potential decoupling of Germany from China. The German Chancellor dismissed that outright. I've said it often, and I have also emphasized it today to my colleague Li. We have no interest in an economic decoupling from China. Li described economic conditions in Germany and China as mutually beneficial. Climate change and green technologies are areas where Berlin and Beijing can cooperate. Both the Chancellor and the Premier acknowledged the threats posed to the environment and the potential changes technology could bring. That was Peter Oliver reporting in Berlin. Staying in Europe, Greek authorities have charged nine people suspected of human trafficking in connection to a migrant boat that sank last week. The shipwreck is one of the worst tragedies in Eastern Mediterranean in recent years. At least 82 people have died, with hundreds more still missing. Evangelos Sipsas has more. While this should be a day for celebrating and embracing those who have begun new lives, this courthouse is a sad reminder that not everyone is lucky enough to pursuing that dream. After having been given 24 hours to prepare the response to accusations that they commanded the fishing vessel, the nine accused are testifying on Tuesday. But questions still remain over the response from the Hellenic Coast Guard and what responsibility the authorities should shoulder for the tragedy. Reports indicate that some of those on board did reject offers of assistance and in the hope of pursuing on to Italy. But testimonies from survivors indicate that the Coast Guard appeared reluctant to act until the very last moment. From their side, the Greek Ministry of Migration is calling for more EU solidarity. We have received funds to combat this issue, but we need more solidarity. To exist, there must be a common European framework for asylum, return and integration. As long as this does not exist, we're doing what we have to do to carry out our humanitarian duty and protect our country. 
As the testimonies continue alongside with the grim task of recovering the bodies, the blame game continues. What exactly happened the day that the boat sank is not yet known, but the head of the Hellenic Council for Refugees is worried that the handling of this case repeats errors of the past. However, if I can make a first comment, unfortunately, the way we've handled it for the moment, the authorities, I mean the Coast Guard, whom every day put something in because there was no rope, suddenly there was a rope, there was no rescue attempt, suddenly there is a rescue attempt. All this is relevant and reminds us a repeat of a very bad case in which Greece has unfortunately been recognized as responsible. So far this year, hundreds of thousands have tried to cross to Europe via sea or land, hoping for a new life. Those who crowded onto the unstable fishing vessel in Libya will know difference. And like so many others before them, those hopes have ended in the worst imaginable tragedy. There was Evangelo Sipsis in Greece. Turning to North America, time is running out for the submersible with five people on board, missing in the depth of the Atlantic Ocean. Their oxygen is expected to last until Thursday morning. An internal U.S. government memo says search and rescue members have heard banging sounds from depth of the Atlantic while looking for the vessel. Rescue teams are working to pinpoint its position. The submarine was on its way to view the wreckage of the Titanic before it lost contact late Sunday with the mothership. Philip Crowther reports from Boston. Any news, good or bad, will come most likely from here, from Boston, where the Coast Guard is based. This is where they held a press conference. We hope that we will be getting an update again, uh, but information is few and far between. All I can tell you right now is that there has been no sign of life detected so far, at least officially. That is what we're hearing from the U.S. Coast Guard. The U.S. Coast Guard is leading this operation. It's an expanding international armada of ships, but aircraft as well who are scouring this part of the Atlantic Ocean for any sign of this submersible, this one vessel as big as more or less a minivan with five men on board. It's that uh, proverbial needle in the haystack. 10,000 square miles have already been searched uh, by U.S. ships, Canadian ships as well, planes as well involved in this search. 10,000 square miles, that's 26,000 square kilometers, a huge area. And at this point, there is no sign of that submersible having been found either on the surface of the Atlantic Ocean or at the bottom of the sea. Well, at this point, we know that uh, time is running out, that's for sure. Uh, there's enough oxygen on board this very small vessel for those five men who are on board until, well, Thursday morning local time. Now, whether these this is a vessel that could have been trusted, it is probably too early to say, but there is criticism coming out of those who've been leading this expedition. And the leader, by the way, of of the company that is leading this exhibition. The CEO is one of those men who are on board this vessel, along with two members of a Pakistani business family, a British explorer as well, and a French Titanic expert. This vessel, of course, wanting to go to the bottom of the ocean to explore the Titanic wreckage. Uh, one of the big questions here is, where is this vessel right now? It's not just about this enormous area that we're talking about. The question still open is whether it is actually uh, on the surface of the 
the ocean or right at the bottom of the ocean. That is uh, one of the big unknowns right now. A few things to keep in mind here is that those five men on board this vessel, even if it was on the surface of the ocean, they cannot open this vessel by themselves. It is closed from the outside. That is why outside help needs to be brought in to get these men out, if indeed they are on the surface of the Atlantic Ocean. And how would they make themselves be known to those who are searching for them? Canadian, US teams, a French research vessel also on its way. Well, maybe with audio signals by knocking uh, on the inside of this submersible, possibly that is a sound that can be detected by some of these crews who are searching for these five men. That was Philip Crowther reporting. Also in North America, the son of U.S. President Joe Biden has struck a plea deal with federal prosecutors after a five-year investigation by the Justice Department. The department has said Hunter Biden would plead guilty to three criminal charges. Benji Hire has details about the charges and the political implications for the U.S. president. Hunter Biden, former lawyer, banker, lobbyist, the scandal-plagued son of a sitting American president. This plea agreement brings to an end a long-running five-year Department of Justice probe, led by a Donald Trump-appointed attorney, looking into whether Hunter Biden properly reported his income and whether he made false statements on paperwork that was used to purchase a firearm in 2018. Now, those two tax charges stem from a failure to pay more than $100,000 in taxes in both 2017 and 2018. And that's gun charge from a possession of a weapon while a drug user. He was, of course, discharged from the US Navy back in 2014 after testing positive for cocaine. He's since admitted to being a heavy user of that substance at that time, though he's also denied engaging in any illegal activity. This has implications, political ones. You see, Hunter Biden has been a, a constant target of scrutiny and congressional investigations from Republican lawmakers in the US who accuse him and his family of corruption, all whilst many 2024 presidential candidates allege his father, Joe Biden, is weaponizing the Justice Department against opponents like twice impeached and twice indicted Donald Trump. He's called the system broken and Hunter's plea deal a mere traffic ticket. Trump's campaign claims it allows allows the Justice Department to, and I quote, turn a blind eye. In a brief statement, the White House says Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden love their son and support him as he continues to rebuild his life. His initial court appearance in this case has not yet been scheduled. There was Benji Haya in Washington. Moving on to Africa. The United Nations has called on countries near Sudan to keep their borders open as the number of people fleeing conflict continues to surge. Jody Jacobs has details. There are more than 110 million people displaced because of crises around the world. Conflicts in Ukraine, Afghanistan, Syria and Ethiopia have all contributed to this number, with the latest outbreak of fighting in Sudan adding even more. The United Nations says the number of people fleeing the conflict now tops 500,000 while two million people are internally displaced. It's a worrying situation because we haven't seen much progress so far, if any. 
in the negotiations between the two leaders, the two generals, fighting in the country. And we are unfortunately gradually witnessing the destruction of this country. Grundy says the current situation is unsustainable. A record 25 million people in Sudan, that's more than half of the country's population, now depend on humanitarian aid. On Monday, the United Nations led an appeal for funding to help the people of Sudan. It raised $1.5 billion with UN chief Antonio Guterres warning the country was descending into death and destruction. The world body has appealed to the international community to dig deeper, saying donations were a fraction of defense spending by some rich nations. That was Jody Jacobs reporting. And finally, we come to Asia. Officials in India are investigating the death that a hospital executive blamed on heat. The government thinks there may be more to the story. Ravinda Bhava has more. Not sounding very nice on the ground because now there is a controversy which has started in the Balia district. What we were getting uh, news of deaths from three state. Now the Balia district is the one which is the worst affected. And team of doctors, a special committee has been formed to look into these deaths. Because on Saturday, what happened that the chief medical officer of the district uh, hospital was removed from his post, was uh, relieved from his post because he made a statement that these deaths are due to heat wave, and that was supposed to like that the government called a careless statement and now a team has been formed to investigate further as to what led to these deaths. If we look at the number of deaths which happened on Saturday, most of the people who died at that time were above the age of 60 and had other issues as well. So the government is trying to investigate further because their argument is that it is in the whole region that the temperatures are high. But why is it that Balia is seeing the largest number of deaths and why is it in Balia we are seeing it is more affected? And for that, now they are trying to collect samples of water, they are collecting samples of blood and urine, of the patients who are in the hospital and they are also going on the ground to the homes of the families who have lost their loved ones to find out about the symptoms because the government thinks and the medical authority there are saying that there could be more to this, there could be some contamination in the water because the kind of symptoms that people have been complaining of is of breathlessness and uh, fever. But uh, mostly in heat stroke, we don't see breathlessness as a part of a symptom. That was Ravinda Bhava in New Delhi. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. China and Germany have agreed to work closely on tackling climate change. The search continues for a missing sub with five people on board deep in the Atlantic Ocean. And the UN has called on countries near Sudan to keep their borders open as many are fleeing the conflict. That concludes today's top story, which brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Wang Sang. Thank you for listening.